the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specializations. And as I shared with you before, I am so crazy. I have three law degrees. In addition to my JD, I also have a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual properties laws. And uh, both of my great master's degrees in law were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, that's located in the beautiful city of San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and wealth creation and wealth transfer and the roles that these particular aspects of the social science of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, but I also do debt wealth management, estates and trusts, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say that I'm sometimes able to vindicate the rights of seniors who, because of today's trying times, more and more of us are not only targeted, but sometimes actually become the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that you can imagine. So I'm coming to you again today from my continued voluntary lockdown in my makeshift studios in my home in another great world-class city in California, that is to say the always beautiful city of Oakland. And I come to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, as always, I must ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances and hopefully provide you with at least some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help to help you with your legal issue, especially one dealing with your finances. And I, as I say, you know, I do this because I believe that representing yourself in a legal matter, especially one dealing with your finances, is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And when you do that, you're going to be outgunned. And that means that very likely your righteous defenses or, to, or your righteous claims against your opponent will likely see the promised land way before you do. So once again, in case you haven't guessed it, uh, the purpose of Selwyn's Law is to help you 
think about things as we discuss the law related to your money and more probably than not in these trying times, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your and or your families and or your businesses, financial health, wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational forum. Hey, guys, you know, I promise that we will get back to our standing topic, which is what we small business owners need to do to stabilize our cash flows and other resources during the remaining months of this pandemic and what we need to consider in order to make informed decisions about the future of our existing businesses after the pandemic is over, including the possibility of filing for bankruptcy to either shed our non-performing assets and liquidate our performing assets and use the proceeds to pay what a court orders us to pay our creditors and use the remainder to fund our fresh start. That's a liquidating bankruptcy. Or we might want to have a reorganization bankruptcy in order to set a new trajectory and a new growth path that will sustain the future growth of our reorganized business. We will, I promise, continue to analyze and look at these issues, not only from the perspective of the debtor business owner, but also the creditor business owner who might also find him or herself in bankruptcy if our tenants and or our our customers who we provide goods and services to don't, can't, or won't pay us. But as I told you last week, I heard from so many of you um, uh, making comments uh, about the show I did for Black History Month entitled Why I'm Fed Up with the disingenuous racial diversity and inclusion rhetoric that runs amok during Black History Month. And now it's over into Women's Month, History Month. Um, And I say that if the law and other American industries were truly interested in incorporating blacks and browns into their industries, they steal Nike's slogan and just do it and stop spreading their P's around the E. That's ESG plate. ESG stands for uh, environment, social, and governance uh, uh, p- platforms for businesses. So, what person has me? What I mean about spreading peas around the plate? Well, I was referring to a defensive maneuver my child would take when one of the vegetables du jour on the dinner plate was green peas. It did not matter if I put one pea or ten peas or 50 peas on my child's plate, that kid would not eat a single one, but instead would spread them all around the plate to make like some of the peas had actually been eaten when, in fact, none had been. So one day, when the second vegetable of the jour were carrots, the kid, who was around four years old at the time, he looked at me and said, you know, Mom, I really like carrots, so would you please give me two servings of carrots and I'll get all of my vitamins and minerals from the carrots and the salads. And I tried to contain myself from busting out. So I looked at my husband and we looked at each other. And my husband said to me, you know, you don't like, you won't eat, and you won't even cook rutabaga or liver for me, even though I like both. He continued, the kid doesn't like green peas. So let's stop the drama and move on. So we did. 
because the purpose of eating was to nourish the body and not to be used as a prologue for drama at the dinner table uh, in such that the nourishing food did not end up in the tummy, but ended up in the trash. So likewise, I've come to the conclusion that the use of so-called corporate diversity and inclusion programs, seminars, discussions are all about the drama used as a pretext for the myth of increasing employment and entrepreneurial opportunities for members of our black and brown communities instead of actually taking a stand and, you know, figuring out a way to close the wealth and educational gap in this country. To me, these programs have turned out to be a waste of time and energy. And if the goal is to increase employment and entrepreneurial opportunities and decrease the wealth gap for members of our various communities of color in America, I'd rather spend my time and focus on developing and implementing substantive strategies and tactics that have a chance to work. These substantive uh, strategies and tactics um, we need to open up educational opportunities in our society. That is to say, we need to figure out how we can deal with the palpable discomfort amongst many in the majority white populace who are fearful because of the racial demographic shift that is happening right before our eyes, a shift that will unless manipulated by external forces will cause the majority to lose its political clout and possibly its economic dominance. When, as predicted, people of color move from the minority to the majority of people in this country over the next few decades. In my opinion, this is why we're seeing an increase in the acts of violence against members of communities of color, including the tragedy that happened earlier this week in Atlanta and why many states have begun to um, create efforts to implement further restrictions on voting rights, while our courts, in my opinion, do little or nothing. Because, again, in my opinion, there aren't enough lawyers of color to force the issues, and there aren't enough judges of color who come to the bench with our community's perspective on these very important issues. Another area where there's a gap between the majority and the minority communities is around the access and use of technology. For example, there is little or no access to broadband internet in poor urban and rural communities where the vast majority of black and brown people live. This fact is currently impeding the ability of kids of color to access remote learning uh, tools during the current lockdown. And this technology, this technology void is only going to grow over the next decades and beyond as artificial intelligence, artificial reality, electronic vehicles, non-fungible transfers, blockchain technology, and remote employment really takes hold in every aspect of our economy. So that's what and why I want to talk about today. Why I think every black and brown parent needs to focus their child towards both a STEM and or a legal education today, not tomorrow. And we need to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on the reason why black and brown parents need to take advantage of the current paradigm shift 
to put our collective foot down and demand a 21st century education for our children. I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion of today's topic, why black and brown parents need to take advantage of the current paradigm shift and put our collective foot down and demand a 21st century education for our children. With a primary focus on STEM and a secondary focus on the law, even if we have to provide this education for our children ourselves. Now, when I first started writing this show, I was analyzing and synthesizing a bunch of facts and figures and conclusions that had been sent to me by McKinsey and Company, particularly those in its October 2019 report entitled The Future of Black, The Future of Work in Black America. According to McKinsey and Company, there is a well-documented, persistent, and growing racial wealth gap between African-American families and white families in America. Studies indicate that the median white family in the United States holds 10 times more wealth than the median African-American. And I'll tell you, I've looked up the statistics. It's 170000 of wealth for the average white family in America and only $17,000 in wealth for the average black family. And he said, apart from the obvious negative impact on African-American individuals, families, and communities, the racial wealth gap constrains the entire U.S. economy. It is in its previous report, McKinsey found and it projected that closing the racial wealth gap would net the U.S. economy between 1.1 trillion and 1.5 trillion by the year 2028. That would equate to the amount just allocated to spend for uh, this COVID relief relief package that was just passed off by Congress and signed off by the new president. Now, despite uh, this fact, racial wealth, the gap, it continues to grow and it, it threatens norms, standards and opportunities in the current U.S. workplace and exacerbates existing income disparities. One critical disruptor will be the adoption of automation and other digital technologies by companies worldwide. Now, according to the McKinsey Global Institute, Companies have already invested 20 to 30 billion dollars in artificial intelligence technology and its application. End users, businesses, and economies are hoping to significantly increase their productivity and capacity for innovation through using these technologies. I'm going to step out for a bit. Increasing productivity means reducing. Reducing the number of men and women that are needed to produce an end product. Now, while product, productivity is a wonderful thing, if your job is eliminated via productivity, it's not going to do your family and your community any damn good unless you're on the end that's creating these tools that produce productivity. Now, now getting back into what McKinsey has to say. As determined in our previous reports on the racial wealth gap, African-Americans start from a deprived position in the workforce with an unemployment rate 
twice that of white workers, a pattern that persists even when controlled by education, duration of unemployment, and the cause of the unemployment. Our prior research also shows that African Americans could experience the disruptive forces of automation from a distinctly disadvantaged position, particularly because we are overrepresented in support roles in society. That includes we're truck drivers, and we all know that the trucking companies are working towards electronic trucks that are driverless. Food services, I've shared with you before, I keep getting information about this company that's going to replace the hamburger flippers in the industry and office clerks. You you don't need a secretary or an office clerk if you have an application on your phone that will handle your secretarial work for you. So this is why there is going to be major disruption in our already sorry employment and entrepreneur opportunities in the black community unless we step up and do about it. But, you know, I've decided to tell a story instead of focusing on those statistics that I already gave you anyway. I decided it might be better to tell the story of a young woman who actually fell into STEM because of the insistence of one of her uh, bosses that she leave her really good paying job at the Department of Defense as a DOD civilian and take a job at the phone company, who was at the time under a consent decree to increase the number of blacks and brown employees at all levels, but specifically in the areas of management and engineering. And because I'm really into nonlinear storytelling, I'll start this story of a particular chapter of my own life by reading you a letter my employer and I received way back in 1982 when I was just a wee lass of 28 years old. The letter is a letter of appreciation presented to Mrs. Selwyn D. Whitehead, Communication Services Representative, Pacific Telephone Company. The letter states... It is with great pleasure that I present you with this letter of appreciation for your exceptional performance and exemplary service provided to the United States ship Coral Sea, CV-43, during the process of leasing and implementing the Data Speed 40 system. Your enthusiasm was contagious, your performance superb, your genuine interest and impressive knowledge of the system provided the right equipment desired to perform the functions required by the ship and contributed immensely to the overall readiness of the installed system. Your technical expertise and dedication to professionalism was evident as you made yourself available at all times, including weekends. Your unselfish efforts produced a high degree of experience and confidence in your Navy counterpart. Although unfamiliar, you quickly became accustomed to the Navy's requisitioning procedures and developed a training program and produced the standard operating procedures for users. Because of your encouragement, patience, and ability as an instructor, the Coral Sea has a system that is functional and operational. It is your influence and guidance that nurtured the operators and allowed them to grow in confidence and in their own abilities. Your unselfish devotion to duty, professional performance, and initiative are truly exceptional. It is with great 
pleasure that I commend you for a job well done. It was signed by the ship's um, supply officer and endorsed by the captain of the boat. Can you imagine how excited I was to get a commendation from the captain of one of the great vessels at the time for implementing a local area network that it helped the men on that boat be able to quickly and efficiently find and order and upload the supplies that were needed to repair the aircraft that were launched and captured by that boat. Needless to say, successfully designing and overseeing and implementing the ship's local area network and inventory management system made it possible for that aircraft carrier to be able to quickly repair and maintain the ships that are that were so sorely needed in an efficient part of the naval Navy's operation. So as a result of that, needless to say, I got a, a, a great promotion and I got a, 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 a huge bonus. And it also resulted in my company sponsoring my membership in the Naval, Naval League that was focused on command, control, and communications within the Navy. And it, they also gave me carte blanche to work on any Navy-related product projects that ever came up, including those related to retrofitting the communication systems of submarines. However, and more importantly, it impressed all the men in my family, including my dad, who informed me that after I told my younger brothers of my success on this project, they both undertook STEM educations in college and went on to become engineers themselves. But you know what really impressed all the dudes in my family? Was that I got to go up in a jet that was launched from and then safely landed on the flight deck of the Coral Sea. Too cool. I'm an old lady now and I still think about that. Too cool for school. And all this because my company didn't just spread peas around the plate and only talk about diversity and inclusion. It actually hired me as a kid and spent tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars giving me a STEM education more than 40 years ago. And it gave me an opportunity to be of service to my country. So that is why I'm saying if companies truly believe in diversity and inclusion, they will seek out intelligent, motivated, young and old black and brown people and women because we can make a contribution if given a chance but I'm really not interested in just talking the talk. I'm interested in walking the walk. And so black parents, if your children are being housed in schools that are acting as a big babysitter and they're not being exposed to technology, the technology that's going to move this country and the world forward and possibly save us from climate disaster, we need to take on that responsibility to educate these kids ourselves and develop our own businesses in our communities that will give them an opportunity to be employed. I really miss working for Pacific Bell. It was a great company. It got eaten up because of antitrust issues 
and ultimately uh, uh, diverse it, um, uh, divestiture caused it to be split into many companies. And I went off into one of those companies and my story continues there. And I ultimately went to work for a company that was headquartered in the United Kingdom. But it's all because a company took me under its wing and spent money and trained me that one of the best memories of my life is going up in an aircraft carrier after I helped develop a system for it to be able to better serve. Uh, it's the men in the world. At that time, there were only men, the 4,000 men that were on a United States vessel Coral Sea. So with that said, I'm going to leave it there for now. But as I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, in closing, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the law that gives us access to have great education that can lead to a great career and allow us to not only serve our families and our employees, but serve our community and our country. Till next time, mask up, keep your social distance, wash your hands. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.